0: Tonight, breaking news as we come on the air, a deadly shooting rampage at a religious gathering. The images coming in now from Germany. Reports multiple people killed, opening fire inside a building, heavily armed officers going in, and we have late reporting here. Also tonight, the stunning images after those four Americans were kidnapped, two of them shot and killed south of the border. Tonight, the striking image, five alleged members of the notorious Gulf cartel tied up, paraded out, and it was the cartel allegedly turning them over. Matt Rivers in Mexico. This evening, two storms were tracking, and even before one of them hits, the awful discovery tonight. Loved ones found dead trapped in their homes. Matt and reporting. All of this as California tonight declares a state of emergency, an atmospheric river set to unleash another eight feet of snow in some places, up to eight inches of rain along the coast. And in the Midwest and Northeast tonight, Chicago to Detroit to New York, What so many are bracing for, heavy snow, rain, and strong winds. Rob Marciano timing it all out. Tonight, the Republican leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, in the hospital after a fall overnight at a Washington, D.C., hotel. The 81-year-old being watched after suffering a concussion. Rachel Scott with what we know so far. Just hours before the CEO of Norfolk Southern was set to testify today on the Hill, yet another train derailment. Gio Benitez in that hearing room. The war in Ukraine tonight, Russia unleashing a massive seven-hour missile barrage across Ukraine, including hypersonic missiles, what they were targeting and James Longman tonight inside Ukraine. President Biden unveiling his new $6.8 trillion budget, proposed increased spending on defense, border security and social programs, saying the wealthy and corporations should pay their fair share in taxes. What this could signal in the race for the White House, inviting Republicans tonight to present their own budget. Mary Bruce tonight. What's now happened to the gun from that deadly shooting on that movie set What Alec Baldwin's attorney revealed today? The FDA tonight with new guidelines for mammogram providers and what women should know. And two passings to know tonight, one of them famous for Fiddler on the Roof. From ABC News World Headquarters in New York, this is World News Tonight with David Muir. Good evening. It is great to have you with us here on a Thursday night. And we begin tonight with breaking news coming in from Germany at this hour. A deadly shooting rampage inside a building, a religious gathering. Shots fired inside the building used by Jehovah's Witnesses in Hamburg, Germany, the country's second largest city. Officers rushing to the scene at this hour in a massive show of force. Gunfire heard inside. Heavily armed officers making their way into the building. Several people escorted out of that building. And authorities tonight say there are multiple
1: victims. ABC's Marcus Moore leading us off tonight from London. Tonight, parts of Hamburg, Germany on lockdown after several people were reported killed and others injured in a shooting at a building being used by Jehovah's Witnesses. Police say at about 9 p.m. local time tonight, one or more unknown suspects opened fire on this street in Germany's second largest city. Officers with long guns raised, kicking in a glass panel to access the building's front door. Police say after officers arrived on the scene, they heard a gunshot from the upper floor. Officers shouting before climbing two flights of stairs, their weapons drawn. One officer holding a large tactical shield. Police escorting several people out of the building, hands above their heads, others sprinting out the door. A first responder carrying one person on their shoulders. Tonight, police saying it appears there is no indication the perpetrator or perpetrators are on the run and may still be in the building or among the dead. DAVID, THIS WAS A TERRIFYING NIGHT FOR PEOPLE THERE IN HAMBURG. AND POLICE TELL ABC NEWS THAT THERE IS NO MANHUNT. IT SEEMS TO SUGGEST THAT THE ACTIVE THREAT HAS PASSED, BUT A MOTIVE FOR TONIGHT'S SHOOTING REMAINS UNCLEAR. David
0: Marcus Moore leading us off tonight from London on the scene playing out in Germany at this hour. Marcus, thank you. In the meantime, we turn now to the stunning image south of the border in Mexico today. And it comes, of course, after those four Americans were kidnapped, two of them shot and killed. Well, today, five alleged members of a notorious cartel tied up and left in public right at the scene of the kidnapping for all to see. And authorities believe it was the cartel itself handing over those five suspects. A note left on the windshield, the cartel apologizing for the deadly attack on Americans. And late today, the bodies of those two Americans who died in the attack arriving back in the United States. ABC's Matt Rivers in Mexico City again tonight. Tonight,
2: nearly a week after that horrific kidnapping of four Americans that left two of them dead in a Mexican border city, a notorious drug cartel is allegedly taking responsibility. In these photos from a source close to the investigation, the Gulf Cartel appearing to hand over the five members they say did it. The five men found tied up near a truck with guns, ammunition and body armor at the same spot in Matamoros where the kidnapping took place. Plus, a note on the windshield purportedly signed by the cartel references, quote, four kidnapped Americans, two of which died, adding, quote, we have decided to deliver those involved and directly responsible the five men now in state police custody. Authorities not confirming whether these five were involved, but multiple Mexican law enforcement sources close to the investigation tell ABC News the cartel note is believed to be legitimate. Neither ABC News nor U.S. officials have been able to verify the note's authenticity. I think they're doing it to take heat off of themselves.
3: I do think this was their intent, was to sort of ease the pain as far as what pressure may be placed on the cartel as time goes on.
0: Well, that was really something to say to witness uh, that image today. Matt Rivers back with us tonight. And Matt, this notion that the cartel itself turning over these suspects, uh, really a stark reminder of what we know from all of our reporting through the years of the power of these cartels.
2: No question, and the Gulf Cartel is among the most powerful criminal organizations in the entire country. And if they did, in fact, turn over some of their own, knowing they would be detained by police, not worried about what those suspects would then say during interrogation,
0: David, I think it says a lot about this group's power, both in Matamoros and beyond. Well, you would know Matt Rivers, who has reported from Mexico for years. Matt, thank you. Back here at home tonight, two storms pummeling the country this evening. A blast of winter from the Midwest to the Northeast, Chicago to Detroit to New York City. And we'll track it while in the West. Another new cross-country storm building, a powerful what they call atmospheric river with up to eight feet of snow expected in some places and up to eight inches more of rain for much of California. And this new storm coming as today, we learned of awful discoveries. Multiple deaths, people trapped in their homes just now discovered from the other storms. Matt Gutman from California again tonight.
4: Tonight, the San Bernardino Sheriff's Department is investigating multiple deaths. So far, at least 13 people losing their lives in the Snowden Mountain communities in Southern California since the area was cut off by back-to-back blizzards in recent weeks, a number that could rise. Eleanor Avenatti was 93. Everybody called her Dolly. She lived alone, and Margaret Podvin showed us her house.
5: So that's the window where she was sleeping.
4: Right in there. And in early March, they got worried.
5: And we called the emergency number to come rescue Dolly. Before she died. Before she died. And they didn't come.
4: Neighbors tried to contact Eleanor, but she didn't answer. At that point, they realized that she probably may not have been alive. They had to climb up this bank and climb through a door over there, finding her near a fireplace, no longer alive. So many residents here, like
5: Margaret, trapped trapped for weeks. We couldn't leave. You're stuck here, and we had no electricity for seven days.
4: The grim news comes as communities up and down the state race to remove all of that snow ahead of yet another system. David, rain on top of snow can make it up to 10 times heavier, and some of the most significant accumulations in this region are expected for just these communities. It's why authorities are telling me there is major concern for flooding and additional roof collapses.
0: David. Bracing all over again, Matt Gutman, Matt, thank you. Well, let's get right to senior meteorologist Rob Marciano. He's tracking this for us tonight. He's live in San Francisco with the latest. Rob. Mm. Hey David that atmospheric river has arrived here in northern California and the flow is perpendicular to the coast and the mountains and that really maximizes the precip and we're seeing it right now we've seen it rain all day long here and on the radar and the future cast we're looking at rainfall from Oregon all the way down to Santa Cruz it does get down to southern California later on tonight and tomorrow morning and this is a warm storm so the snow levels jump eight nine thousand feet that's that heavy wet snow Matt talked about that really weighs down the roofs and we could see wind gusts over a hundred miles an hour and flooding rains below about five thousand feet meanwhile that that winter storm in the Midwest is bringing some snow to places like uh, Minneapolis and Milwaukee. Chicago getting some as well. Down I-90. Detroit will get some overnight tonight. This stretches into New York State and New York City itself. We'll see some wet snow tomorrow night for the evening rush into Saturday morning. and some of the suburbs around New York, will see several inches of snow. Winter isn't over yet. David? Rob Marciano live in front of the Golden Gate Bridge tonight. Rob, thank you. Next tonight, to that fall at a hotel overnight in Washington, the Republican leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, who is 81, is now in the hospital tonight after suffering a concussion. Here's Rachel Scott.
6: Tonight, Republican Minority Leader Mitch McConnell in the hospital. His staff saying the 81-year-old is recovering from a concussion.
1: I spoke to the family. This is gonna be
6: The Senate's top Republican tripped and fell during a private dinner at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in Washington, D.C. For hours, Washington waiting for word. Then this afternoon, his staff telling us McConnell is expected to remain in the hospital for a few days of observation and treatment.
4: I called the leader this morning and spoke briefly with his staff to extend my prayers and well wishes. My thoughts are also with leader McConnell's family and his team.
7: Hopefully he'll be back next Tuesday when um, you know, we're up and running and, and I'm just knowing him, I'm sure he's watching C-SPAN. <laughs>
6: Republicans briefed by McConnell's team tell us he is alert and talking. Louisiana Senator Bill Cassidy, who was a doctor, says that's a good sign. Is it normal to keep someone for observation for a few days after a
1: concussion? All right. So it may just be that it's a little dose of being extra careful.
0: So let's bring in Rachel Scott. She's live up on the Hill tonight. Rachel, Again, Senator McConnell's uh, staff also saying he's expected to be in the hospital for a few days so that they can uh, watch over him given this concussion.
6: Yes, David, and we know McConnell has not only suffered falls in the past, but that he also survived polio as a small child. It's a disease that left him with a slight limp. Tonight, Republicans here on Capitol Hill are optimistic that he will return next week.
0: Yeah, David, he's getting support from both sides of the aisle for a quick recovery. Rachel, thank you. Meantime, on Capitol Hill today, the CEO of Norfolk Southern Railway testifying after that toxic train derailment in Ohio, saying he is deeply sorry for the derailment. But just hours before his testimony today, another Norfolk Southern train going off the rails. ABC's Gio Benitez in the hearing room.
7: Tonight, just hours after yet another train derailment, this time in Alabama, the CEO of Norfolk Southern testifying before lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Alan Shaw telling the residents of East Palestine the site of that toxic train derailment that he is deeply sorry. I'm committed to doing what's right. We're going to be there today, tomorrow, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Senators pressing Shaw about paying for long-term damage, like diminished property values and health care costs for the residents of East Palestine. But the CEO short on specifics. We're going to do what's right for the citizens of East What's Asia. right is to cover their health care needs. Will you do that? Everything is on the table, sir. Jessica Conard, a mother of three, traveled here from East Palestine. I'm very aware of what these chemicals and toxins can do to your body and obviously it's terrifying and it's devastating. Um, We're not drinking the water right now. You don't Um, trust that the water is safe to drink? uh, No. And David Shaw defended his company's safety record saying it is safe, but the families at that hearing still want answers.
0: David. All right, Gio Benitez live in Washington. Thank you, Gio. We're going to turn now to the war in Ukraine tonight. Russia launching its fiercest missile assault across Ukraine this year, at least 84 missiles, including six hypersonic missiles that Ukraine is unable to shoot down. What they were targeting in ABC's James Longman inside Ukraine again tonight.
8: Tonight, Russia unleashing a deadly wave of attacks across Ukraine, the biggest missile barrage so far this year. The seven hour assault began before dawn. More than 90 missiles and drones, dozens hitting their targets, slamming all corners of the country. Six people killed and power cut in multiple regions. Six of the launches were advanced hypersonic missiles. The most Moscow has fired so far in this war. They can fly more than five times the speed of sound and Ukraine can't shoot them down. One of them believed to have hit this power plant in Kyiv. Video circulating online show a massive fire. These people had just been waiting for a bus, but death came instead. Now that's the sound of the battle right on the doorstep of this town. Take a look, we're in a residential neighborhood. You've got people just trying to get on with their lives and the battle is raging in the town next door. This man asking himself, what has Russia liberated me from? My job, my salary, I have nothing.
0: James Longman with us from Eastern Ukraine again tonight, not far from the front lines of this fighting. And James, as you reported there, Russia launching the most hypersonic missile so far in this war. And I know tonight, Ukraine believes this is significant.
8: Yeah, David, Ukraine says Russia uses hypersonic missiles because they're running out of more conventional weapons. They say this is a sign of weakness and could be part of a pattern
0: we see repeated as the war goes on. David. All right, James Longman and our team, please stay safe. Excellent reporting again tonight. Thank you, James. Back here in the U.S., meanwhile, President Biden unveiling his $6.8 trillion budget at an event in Philadelphia saying, quote, let me tell you what I value. Proposing increases for defense, border security, and social programs, saying the wealthy and corporations should pay their fair share in taxes in this country. What this could signal in the race for the White House, inviting Republicans to present their own budget. Here's our senior White House correspondent, Mary Bruce, tonight.
5: President Biden today in the key battleground state of Pennsylvania, unveiling a blueprint for his reelection campaign, a $6.8 trillion budget that would slash the deficit by $3 trillion over the next decade.
7: Folks, let me tell you what I value with the budget I'm releasing today. I value everyone having an even shot, not just labor, but small business owners, farmers, and so many other people who hold the country together.
5: Biden's plan calls for new social spending on things like family leave and universal pre-K. It would also shore up Medicare and aim to lower prescription drug costs. It also features big hikes in defense spending, more money for police and border security. To pay for it all, the president is calling for tax hikes on large corporations and Americans making over $400,000 a year. We also
1: have to ask the wealthiest and biggest corporations to begin to pay their fair share.
5: His budget has no chance of passing in the Republican House, but the president is using it to challenge the other side to show Americans what they stand
0: for. I'm ready to meet with the speaker anytime, tomorrow, if he has his budget. Lay it down. Let's bring in Mary Bruce. She's live at the White House tonight. And Mary, bottom line here, the president knows this budget isn't going to pass, but obviously this White House also knows much of what he is proposing. gets very strong polling, the wealthy and corporations paying their fair share, uh, increased defense and border spending, all this part of this plan uh, revealed today.
5: Exactly, David. And Republicans tonight are making it clear. This is dead on arrival. But we know that budgets are always aspirational documents. But this year is about a lot more than that. This is really a political pitch as the president readies a run for re-election, And he did it in Pennsylvania during his 20th trip to the key state since taking office. And, David, I'm sure there will be many more trips still to come
0: feels very much like the race for the White House has begun. Mary Bruce tonight. Mary, thank you. When we come back here, what's now happened to the gun in that deadly shooting on that movie set? What Alec Baldwin's attorney revealed today? And the FDA tonight with new guidelines for mammogram providers and what women should know tonight.
4: Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times best-selling author.
6: And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer.
8: People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers.
0: There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him.
8: For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen.
0: Tonight, there's been a development in the case of that deadly shooting on the set of the movie Rust in New Mexico. Alec Baldwin's attorney today saying the state has destroyed the gun that Baldwin was holding when it was fired killing cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Apparently, it was damaged during testing by the state. The prosecution not denying the claim. Baldwin and armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed both charged with involuntary manslaughter for the shooting. Baldwin insisting that he never pulled the trigger. To health news tonight, the FDA issuing new guidelines for mammogram providers. The new rule requires women be notified if they have dense breast tissue, which could increase the risk of developing breast cancer. It also makes it harder to detect abnormal changes. About half of all women have dense breast tissue and many are unaware. Medical guidelines suggest most women start getting regular mammograms beginning at age 50 or earlier, depending on risk factors. The best advice, of course, from your own doctor.
7: Married moms in the suburbs, they've been called soccer moms, they've been called security moms.
5: Pamela Wilk is a so-called soccer
0: mom. Those so-called
5: Walmart moms. She calls herself a hockey mom. I love those hockey moms.
7: The hockey mom trying to
3: connect with the soccer moms. In the 1990s, the idea of soccer moms as the quintessential swing voter took hold. Elections could be won or lost based on a candidate's ability to appeal to them. But were quote-unquote soccer moms actually the deciding factor? In a new series on the 538 Politics podcast, we take a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the campaign throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Tonight, we have two passings to note. Former Navajo Nation President Peterson Zah has died following a long illness. He was the first president elected by the Navajo Nation, dedicating himself to improving the lives of the Navajo people. He was 85. And actor Chaim Topol has died, best known for Fiddler on the Roof.
5: If I were
0: a rich man, He simply went by Topol for most of his career, one of Israel's most beloved actors. He was 87. Finally tonight here, the 10-year-old and her song coming to life. Tonight in West Grove, Pennsylvania, 10-year-old Olive Wallace is witnessing her song come to life. It was three weeks ago when Olive wrote a song to play on her violin, but she didn't think it was good enough to perform, so she left it sitting there on the kitchen counter. That's when her mother, Mimi, had an idea, sharing the score online and asking others what they thought.
6: My 10-year-old daughter wrote this Could somebody play this?
0: The response was immediate. Chuck in Iowa playing it on the piano. Julie on the harp. The clarinet. And it keeps going. Musicians all over the country performing Olive's song, encouraging her. Bellevue, Washington, conductor and Professor Christopher Hansen gathering 50 other music teachers to play Olive's piece. And 85 seventh and eighth graders from the Washington All-State Junior Orchestra. Tonight, Olive telling us it means a lot to connect so many people, and her mother Mimi saying it's a true testament to the good in this world. And tonight here,
6: Hi David,
0: professional violinist Casey Bozell on the gift Olive has given with her song.
6: We all need
0: new and inspiring art these days. Keep going, Olive. Good night.
7: Married moms in the suburbs. They've been called soccer moms. They've been called
5: security moms. Pamela Wilk is a so-called soccer mom. Those so-called Walmart moms.
4: She calls herself a hockey mom. I love those hockey moms. The hockey mom trying to connect with
3: the soccer moms. In the 1990s, the idea of soccer moms as the quintessential swing voter took hold. Elections could be won or lost based on a candidate's ability to appeal to them. But were quote-unquote soccer moms actually the deciding factor? In a new series on the 538 Politics podcast, we take a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the campaign throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.